ever look out into the vast sea of the universe, the universe. and challenge even your own imagination? imagination? You don't think we're alone, do you? Do you? Do you? When you hear that the government is doing something, you always believe it, don't you? We are your third eye. This is Chasing Prophecy. Challenging your beliefs and pushing the boundaries of your imagination. If it's unexplained, we're talking about it. Whether you're a believer or a skeptic, we cover everything from political mayhem and tyranny to alien abductions and paranormal phenomena. You, you are not alone. Are not alone. This is the Chasing Prophecy Radio Program. And now your hosts, Jenny Nicasio. Good evening and welcome to Chasing Prophecy on FM 105.3 in Henderson Point and FM 107.7 in New Orleans. Chasing Prophecy is back on the air ways and I'm so excited to be here. We have a beautiful, I don't know, beautiful, but an exciting new format to Chasing Prophecy, the show where the unknown becomes the known and where mysteries unfold and where the unexplained finds a voice. I'm your host, Jenny Nicasio, and tonight we will dive into the realms that lurk just beyond the veil of our everyday reality. Together, we're going to explore the shadows, questions of the unquestions, and the chase the prof and chase the prophecies that have a long whispered secrets in the wind of time. So that's where the chase and prophecy, you know prophecies, messages. So I want you to tune in your senses to the frequency of extraordinary for tonight's journey is one that promised to challenge what you thought you knew about the world around you. Now we always talked about, you know, chasing prophecy is beyond the scope of normal. Okay. Well, we know that we've done hundred and oh my God, tonight will be 179 episodes. And I took a little time off. Everybody knows from last week, I told you I took a little time off. Um, I had a lot of changes this season. And um, my mom passed away in June of 2022. And then I'm a grandma three, which is exciting. So that's a whole new navigation. So we're trying to navigate through it. But joining me as always is the man that navigates the mysteries of the unknown with the skill of a seasoned explorer and my you know, I have to say he's my esteemed co-host from many a times and guest, John Ventry, and John's insights and passions for unraveling the unexplained. He's been on a number of shows. He's been on, um, was it called Hangar One on the History Channel? He's written a number of books, and he kind of made him a beacon for those who seek to understand the mysteries of the universe. So I want to have my uh, friend come back on. John, had, I've known John for quite a while when I was a MUFON field investigator for Westmoreland County years ago. Uh, I think it was way back. So I want to um, welcome John to the show. Welcome back, John. It's great to have you with us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I don't think, when did we stop the show? Back in February or so? It's been a while because uh, I was going to run for county commissioner. Yeah, I that's. Yeah, I couldn't exactly. do the political and this because they'll hold it against you. That's how retarded they are. So. <laughs> Well, I want to tell you, I'm glad you're here. Um, what enigmas do you want to talk about tonight besides our wonderful guests? Um, yeah. Well, you know what? Real quick. Um, I, I write a book and then I say, that's it. I'm done writing. I'm not going to write anymore. And then I'm flying out to Missouri to see my kids and I'm reading a paranormal book, you know, and it's like, all of a sudden I start thinking, I don't know where it, I don't know where these ideas come from. They're like they come from somewhere else and they end up in my head because it's like they're not my ideas. And I, I say, well, you know, UFOs, we've never found proof. We've never found DNA, let's say. You know, all these crashes, there's no blood, there's no DNA. If you remember in 2018, I put a $30,000 reward out for blood or DNA or an alien to come forward or a hybrid, nothing. You know, no. so then it finally struck me. It's because they're from the, they're us from the future. It's time travel. That's why you would never, ever have any proof of non-human DNA. 
because it's always been us. So exactly. you think about it. That's why there's never, ever been any DNA found, you know? And uh, then I just, like, all these ideas start coming to my head. I get to the hotel, and I, I go to the front desk. They said, give me some paper. They give me four pieces of paper. I filled them up with one line. There's all these ideas. And what a great outline I wrote. And I don't know where these ideas come from. That's how all my books are. Once I get started, it's like, it's like I, I go somewhere else. Well, you know, I, I totally believe that's probably the case too. I just want to pull yeah. up our chats because I have, I can't see. Hi everyone. Hi Cindy. Hi John. Hi Sebastian. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I'm so glad I can see you sometimes, you know, I'm a little shaky right now because I don't know where everything is, but uh, I understand one. I, I hold it what you're talking about. I always thought that, you know, late at night when I can't sleep, I'll go yeah. up to a, you know, tantrum. Okay. Are we aliens? Maybe we are aliens from a different, like you said, from a different time. So yes. we can talk about on, a, on another show. I want to have you back on and talk about your books, your new book. So yeah. before we get any further, because we only have 60 minutes. So yeah, we want to yeah. go quicker. Um, so, so our special guest this evening is someone who's been on the show twice so far, and I'm so happy he's back on. He, he eliminates the dark corners of the psyche, Dr. Brian Sharpless. He's the author of a fascinating new book called Monsters on the Couch. So think about it. I, I was thinking about his title. Oh, I get it, doll. It took me a while because, you know, when you're on a couch and you're in <laughs> therapy and you're on the couch. But he, he's going to join us to delve into the intersections of psychology and paranormal. And his groundbreaking work, which I think is great, explores the creatures that haunt us in the movies. And we're going to talk about the legends and all that. But before I... um forget where I'm at. I want to go ahead and bring him on. It's kind of, I need a, uh, an assistant producer. So if you guys, if, there, if there's any college students out there or high school students that want to be my producer to help me pull up some of this stuff, but I'm going to go ahead and bring in Brian. Hey, Brian. So good to have you back on the show. Uh, yes. I think I was I, on your very first show, wasn't I? And you're on my very first. That's so yeah, For Chasing Prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, I read your book. Um, I thought it was really cool. And it made oh, me great. think about a lot of things. And um, one thing I have to say is when I read your a little bit about um, one of the things you really are scared of, my my granddaughter, she just loves, she just loves them. So what I'm going to do right now for you, Brian, I have something special for you tonight. So, <laughs> so let me go ahead and uh, do this before I screw it up because, you know, I'm really good at doing, doing that. Cool. So um, let me go ahead and do this. Can you see the screen? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, there we go. Classic. <laughs> One of my favorites. Oh, no, it's freezing. Oh, oh. why is it doing that? Oh, no. Are you on. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is just for you, Brian. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and we'll tell why. <laughs> <laughs> My granddaughter loves this. She laughs. Back when MTV used to play videos and music. This is just for him. And we'll tell why. Okay. Not quite as good as no, American. Brian, but pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I gotta uh, stop sharing screen. Okay, there we go. It's still playing in my earphone. Okay, now Brian. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead and explain uh, about that little scene about um, why I played it for you. Uh, probably because I opened the book with a chapter on werewolves, where I go into not only the movies that we all know, but I went into the real folklore. And then the real life disorder where people do believe they can transform into animals and acquire their animalistic characteristics. So I was, I, I've watched horror movies since I was like four or five. So none of them bother me, but werewolves seem to bother me. So I went out <laughs> on a, on a trip, my first camping trip with my parents. And I brought along a book about werewolves and it scared me really bad when I was like eight. <laughs> yeah. I thought it would, uh, you know, be fun to play for you. 
Yeah, you know, since I've I've been not afraid of werewolves since I was thirty. I know you're not afraid, but I yeah. thought it would be cute until you until you meet one until you meet one. Yeah, how do you know I haven't? <laughs> yeah. So Brian, what inspired you to write Monsters on the Couch, and how did you first become interested in the intersection between psychology and horror films? Yeah, I I mean I think that's part of the reason I went into psychology was because of sort of strange things. So uh, my mother used to buy me pretty much any book I wanted, you know, at least books or anything is, is on the table. So I used to buy books on UFOs and monsters and lots of things like that. Read a lot of history and philosophy growing up. Then when I studied psychology, you get to talk to really interesting people. You get to potentially study lots of interesting things. So I started um, after I received my PhD, I started studying strange sleep disorders. And one in particular, you you know really well, sleep paralysis, which is where yes. you're going to bed or waking up and you mm -hmm. find yourself unable to move and you have um, dreams going on while you're awake, which are usually scary. And so um, that is believed to be one of the best scientific explanations for beliefs in alien abductions, demonic visitations, and things like that. And so it was a nice moment to be able to merge two of my interests because you may know there's been nine different horror movies using sleep paralysis as the premise. Yeah. And so I started thinking, okay, well, let's uh, get into this a bit deeper and maybe I can figure out a way to justify watching a lot of movies and getting paid for it. So, <laughs> so I started watching just dozens and dozens of horror movies, reading lots and lots of books and articles and um, came up with some interesting things. So not, not just sort of the classic universal monsters like werewolves and vampires, of which there are corresponding conditions, but some more obscure ones like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is based on some pretty scary things. Yeah. Um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I, I can't believe that the director knew about the disorder that it that uh, corresponds to it, but it maps on almost perfectly where you believe that the important people in your life like your your wife your husband your kid has been replaced with an identical looking duplicate but you know it's not them they look like them but you can notice subtle differences and I, I, you believe thought, that they were replaced i i believed that when i started going through a divorce i really did yeah 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 <laughs> and then you got the attorney bills yeah that's right yeah. <laughs> mm, okay i think i got that one <laughs> Okay. Um, so in your book, you discussed unique psychological disorders like Grenfell's syndrome. Um, mm -hmm. What's that called? Clinical? Like, I can't pronounce it. It's kind of like anthropy is the belief that you turn into a wolf and acquire its wolfy characteristics. But the broader term is clinical zooanthropy. Um, and then that just means you believe you turn into an animal. And what was wild, a colleague of mine in the Netherlands did a comprehensive study of all the reports of this in the scientific literature from 1852. He found 56 cases in the literature of people who believe they turned into animals. So it's not a major public health threat, of course, um, at least yeah, as far as crazy. But what was really interesting was wolves were not the number one animal. It was actually dogs, and there were strange ones. There was a were-goose. There was a were-boar. Uh, but my favorite was a were-gerbil. Yeah, yeah, so, I was I was thinking, where can you find it? I haven't I never seen one of those. Maybe on that, what's that movie called with a this gizmo? Um, oh that's I forget they turn into no, that wasn't oh it. gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> those are, they're sort of like gerbils, I guess. Well, yeah, like. but the guy it turns out he raised gerbils as a kid and he um had a bit of a break with reality and he started uh running under tables, sleeping under there, his nose started twitching like a rodent. And uh yeah, so for uh, quite a while he he was in you couldn't talk to him and he believed he was a German. Yeah. Well, you know, I had two favorites uh movie-wise growing up. One, my all-time favorite was King Kong. Um, but the second favorite was the werewolf. And you know, I, I think you now you're gonna analyze me, but maybe because you know the gorilla is similar structure to us, the werewolf also, you know. But I used to always say, Boy, if I could be, I, I would love to be a werewolf. I, I just loved werewolves, and then I came across uh oh that show on uh Showtime, Penny Dreadful. I don't know if you oh, that was that. good. I like that. Did, did you see that, Brian? Penny Dreadful? Uh, I did not. It's on my to watch list. I was, well, busy, I what, oh, I was busy watching movies, couldn't yeah, watch TV. Yeah, it was one that you you could buy it or you pr probably can get it, but it, it was very, very well done, almost like poetic the way you know they explained each of these creatures, Frankenstein, all of those. But when they got to the werewolf. 
Um, there was a scene in there where I, I think she might have said it to him or, or, or that he's the werewolf of God. I, that, think of that premise, the werewolf of God, because the show was on two years and it was supposed to be a third season. And they said they got the funding. They're ready to go with season three. And he was going to be the one creature that fought against uh, the vampire, you know, Dracula and the devil. They were both in it. Oh. And, and in it, uh, it is another scene where the devil confronts Dracula and then Dracula says, hey, cousin, how you doing? It never dawned on me that a vampire is actually a demon, a fallen angel. Uh, did you think about that? Or is that anything that you might have looked at that angle? That it's a, a demon is actually, a vampire is actually a fallen angel. The same thing as a werewolf, you know? Yeah, I haven't seen the angel connection, but certainly if you look at Eastern and Central European folklore, the, these folks are cursed. So um, the movies do a really bad job of, of, of keeping true to the folklore. So yeah. some of the ways you could become a vampire, for instance, is if you practice sorcery as a, as a human. You mm -hmm. would rise after you were dead as a vampire. But some of the things were completely by chance. Like you could become a vampire if a small black animal jumped over your coffin whether it's a cat or a chicken. You could even become a vampire if your mom just didn't drink enough, didn't eat enough salt while she was pregnant with you. You would be born a bouncing baby vampire. What about the <laughs> most horrifying the one? The one with the long fingernails? Uh, we, I can't Nosferatu? No, Nosferatu? No. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he scares, he scares me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's such an allure of the most, you know, the sexy, the dark mysterious ones but then there's a scary one. Oh, yeah it's hollywood me. is very strange they seem to want us to be a, a sexually attracted to vampires which is technically necrophilia yeah. so. well <laughs> they're sexy i can't i that's when i when i was a kid that's why i watched them i mean mm -hmm. oh my god there was a real it was 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 the one there was oh i can't there's interview, so many of them interview with a vampire Oh yeah, well you know what I I like the more dark, mysterious ones. You know, yeah. like he's you know, well, what was his name? I can't remember. It, it showed you the beginning of how he was made. Like he came from the Holy Grail. It was like something with when Jesus was crucified, the blood or something fell into it. Yeah, him. I remember um, seeing that. Oh, I can't what is that? I can't remember that one, but that was really good. Yeah, but that scary one, I didn't like him. What? What? Um, what? Go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, if we're going to stay on vampires a little bit, uh, Brian, um, I, I just lost my, my – oh, Sorry, I, read, my I read a book. I read a book a long time ago, and it, it did a comparison of vampires and, uh, let's say, Jesus. And it everything about the vampire, when you break it down, is the opposite – of of let's say Jesus God Christianity, you know the vampire is uh, he comes out at night he he comes out at night and the 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 light uh, will harm him right. Mm -hmm. So what in, in certain God, mythologies, yeah, yep. yeah, God is of light, Jesus is of light, you know that type of thing. The vampire, uh, you know, drinks blood to live, right? Where, and then in religion, you know, you have uh, the communion, you know, with the mm -hmm. cup and the bread and, and, and but yeah. it's a different Jesus type. is providing the blood in that case. Right. You know, it's, it's a totally, yep. yeah, it's a totally different, but it went through like five, six points of a vampire and, uh, and then compared it. And it's really, it's like a mocking or it's the opposite. And I don't know when, uh, you know, the first person, who wrote it, did it because of that reason. He wanted to do the opposite of, of let's say, Christianity. And he said, well, what does Jesus stand for? And well, I'm going to create a creature that's the exact opposite. You know, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, if you look through folklore, um, certainly there's, there's evidence the vampirism beliefs predating Jesus. Oh, okay. So they go the whole way back to ancient Assyria, where you can see this, this tablet where it shows a female vampire uh, copulating with a human male against his will, and she's just about ready to be decapitated by another person holding a, some sort of sharp instrument, whether it's a sword or a spear, oh, it's hard to say. Geez. So I think there that since time immemorial, blood's kind of had this mystical power 
about it. It's been recognized as a part of life, I think, you know, as long as humans have been around. It's been used as a food source, but I think a lot of cultures have imbued it with a mystical significance. And the people that practice uh, that are that uh, suffer from what's called Renfield syndrome, which is the real vampirism. Mm -hmm. When they drink blood, they drink it to meet a non-nutritional need. So they're drinking it to feel powerful. They're drinking it because they're sexually aroused by it. Um, they Some people have reported feeling a oneness with the universe or nature when they're drinking blood, bordering on a mystical or religious experience. So yeah, yeah know, it's I really interesting. I did a little research. I wanted to write something on Lilith, the, the mm -hmm. Jewish Arab legend of Lilith, which is not in the Bible. You know, Lilith is mentioned, but it's it's just in passing. And, and somebody took Lilith and then made something out of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, but, you know, they talk about Lilith being like the uh, the mother of demons, the mother of vampires, that type yeah. of thing. And I did some research and there was a uh, uh, I guess it was a fallen angel called Gadriel. And so I write my own story of how it all went with Adam and Eve and Lilith and and kind of, I made her kind of a woman's woman's liver, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and and but but she mates with this Gadriel and that starts spawning uh, these creatures. So it like you said, it goes back a long time because that legend of Lilith, I mean, that goes back probably to two three thousand BC. Yeah, 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 and you can even going back to werewolves for a minute. If you look at some of the paintings of in Lascaux, or they, I found a cave, I believe in Sri Lanka, forty-four thousand years old paintings, mm. and you can see these transitional figures that seem to be half human, half animal. Mm -hmm. So what that means, you know, they didn't leave writings; they just left their paintings. We don't know whether they believed that they could transform into animals. We don't know if they were uh, believing they could sort of psychologically take on the characteristics of the animals, or maybe they. We're just wearing skins like we wear our favorite uh, football team's jersey. Who mm. knows? But that seems to be something innate about the power of blood and something innate about um, about beliefs in werewolves. Yeah. And I love, human I, to animal transformation. Yeah. I love werewolves. I really yep. do. If they come out with a werewolf show, a new movie, I'm that's the first one I want to say. I want to see the werewolf movie. <laughs> yeah. Werewolf by and, Night was one of the most recent ones. It was pretty good yeah. from the Marvel and, Universe. Yeah. If um, anybody has a comment or a question for Brian or John or myself, please feel free to you know ask in the chat and just let you know this is sponsored by the UPRN Radio Talk Radio on FM 105.3 in Henderson Point, Mississippi, and 107.7 in New Orleans. Was Werewolf by Night or one of the more recent ones where they made the werewolf uh, like the werewolf of London? Uh, the appearance because well, that's a different looking type of werewolf as as uh, yeah, it was more like a giant wolf the american werewolf in london yeah, this yeah. was more of like a, a hybrid from what i recall they didn't show a lot of it strangely enough yeah in the comic books it was very it was he was bipedal and he looked like uh more like the lon cheney jr version oh okay from the original yeah but then you've got the interesting question. So why do we? Why are we attracted to these things for forty-four thousand years, right? Seriously, and so yeah. it got me thinking, of not just about the movies, but what is it? I think, I think the werewolf. Um, if you watch the movies, they're tragic. You know, they're not fun yeah. like a lot of the vampire movies, and they're not mindless like the zombies. You don't feel bad for zombies, but when you watch a werewolf movie, you feel a lot of pity because they're sort of they're cursed and they have no choice in the matter they transform and they go on these murderous uh killing sprees just like uh a david in an in, um, american werewolf in london and i think it taps into a fundamental fear we all have of things we can't control about ourselves or losing control all Do those dark sides of ourselves that can come out and hurt other people even if we don't think of ourselves as hurtful people Always do you, do Brian, do you think that a lot of this werewolf start, started from like rabies or something like that or the full ah. moon, how people lose control or like the tide, you know, the full moon, everybody acts crazy? <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, I, there, there have been a few sort of medical explanations for, for werewolves. I think rabies is actually one of the better ones. So some people will say it's porphyria. That really doesn't go with it as well. It's super rare. Hirsutism, also called Amber syndrome, which you might have seen those people who are covered head to toe in hair. Oh, uh, there's yeah. a South American family that all, all of them carry this very rare trait. 
And so that doesn't seem to be a good explanation. But rabies, yeah, rabies can yeah. can make you out of control, can make you violent, can make you foam at the mouth, it makes you afraid of water. And strangely enough, it's carried by a bite. But if you look at the folklore, you do not see that in the folklore. You do not no. get it from a bite. You get it from curses. You get it from potentially putting on magic salves, which strangely enough uh, contain hallucinogens. And mm. <laughs> yeah, so, but you don't see bites and you don't know, uh, see a lot of moon connections either or silver in well, folklore. You don't see those. Yeah. in the folklore, but you know, the full moon, it's always about the full moon that they, you know, you turn, well, you, people act crazy. I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I look at the werewolf and, you know, I've said this in some of my other books that I wrote is that, you know, and I'll use this phrase is that there's two people in everybody. You know, mm -hmm. uh, if you think of the average person knows that any moment you could be evil. Dr. Jekyll. You Mr. could kill. Yeah, it's Jekyll and Hyde. You know, you could be the most loving person or you could do something really heinous. So sure. everybody has these two people inside them. So I think when you look at the werewolf, because he is a man and then he turns, it's that that whole, you know, there's two people and everybody good and, and evil, good and bad. And that's part of it. The other thing I would say, too, with the, a werewolf is um, humans and dogs and wolves, we have a connection. I mean, it goes all the way back to caveman times when, you know, wolves, we would give the scraps to wolves and they would, I don't know, I wouldn't say they became our friends, but at some point we domesticated them or, you know, and yeah, then we were- 10,000 years we've been hanging out with dogs. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a, you know, genetically in us, there's a connection to dogs and wolves and it goes mm -hmm. back. 10,000 years. And that could even be a genetic memory thing with us that uh, we like them. And I, I don't like when they, they kill wolves because they got to, you know, uh, lessen their numbers. To me, it's like mm -hmm. a wolf is like your dog, you know, uh, although, you know, the wolves are dangerous, obviously. But yeah. wolves, wolves, their bite is 25% stronger than a dog and their head is 25% larger, you know, than, than a dog is. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but that's the connection I see is the, the good and evil in everyone. And we have a connection that goes back 10,000 years to wolves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What about uh, zombies? What do you think about the zombies? How that comes into the, like, do you think they're portraying them well in Hollywood? Or no. Are there... <laughs> Are there, because we're fascinated with, you know, the apocalypse and we think that yeah. uh, the zombie apocalypse. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, if you look at the folklore, I mean, we, we take the word zombie from the Haitian zombie, which has the exact same spelling, except they leave off the E at the end. But every time I read about Haitian zombies, I don't get scared or I don't get entertained. I feel really sad because what happens in in uh, in, in Haitian folklore is that uh, a voodoo priest called a bokur would essentially uh, poison or kill or curse, depending on who you ask, a person, and then have his uh, loup garou, which translates to werewolf in French, have them dig up the corpse, and then he will take the, the spirit of the person and put it in a clay jar, and then he will re have the body reanimate, and then not to go on murderous sprees, but to work 20 hours a day in a sugarcane field. Because it doesn't get tired, it doesn't get sick, and you it it's it's believe it or not, zombies don't even eat meat in Haiti. They're complete vegetarians that don't even eat salt. You they are served bland food on banana leaves, and if they get even a taste of salt or meat, that breaks the spell and they'll likely kill the bokur, the voodoo priest. So that wouldn't make a great horror movie, to be honest. So what what Hollywood's done, knowingly or unknowingly, is is taken a Norse Draugr, which I could talk about in a minute, a Chinese Jiangxi, elements of what we think a ghoul is, but it's actually inaccurate, and then mix that all up in a blender. And then we call that that gross mix of things after a misspelling of the Haitian zombies. So that's my current theory right now. Haitian <laughs> zombies, okay. Yeah. But a Draugr was a Norwegian zombie, and this was really scary. So uh, this was a Norwegian Viking 
who uh, he would be buried the wrong way, or even if they didn't put the right clothes on him, he would come back from the dead and he would live in a barrow, which was this hole dug in the ground, covered with rocks on top, there'd be timber and they'd cover the whole thing up with dirt. And that's where they'd keep treasure. And so this drogger would stay in there and if you come to steal or mess with his treasure, he'd come get you. And he was very um, uh, active during Christmas and Advent. So <laughs> he didn't like Christmas or Advent. He would go around and beat people up, sometimes kill them, depending on whether he was a Norwegian or an Icelandic drogger. They were because one was more violent than the other. So there's yeah. there's a Christmas uh, gold crumpets. Is that his name? Krampus. 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 Yeah. Krampus. Now, yep. where did that come from? I mean. Yeah, Krampus is uh, from Central Europe. So you see, it's most associated with Germany, but you see it in Austria. You see it even, even in Slovenia. I was just, uh, uh, my family, we're going to cook them a Slovenian Thanksgiving because I recently visited <laughs> Slovenia and really like the food. Ah. So they, they make these cookies that are shaped like Krampus that are really hard to make. And they take a little piece of red pepper and they put it to, in place of the tongue to make it look like he has a red tongue like the that would so, horrify yeah. me as a kid sorry <laughs> you, you should be terrified of krampus he'll beat you yeah he, he doesn't just leave coal in your stocking he beats you up <laughs> yeah there's that one horror movie that i just saw like last christmas i don't know why i watched it because that was he was horrifying especially outside the way they did it with the snow and the little girl oh I think you're talking about krampus it was actually called uh, that I yeah think. that's yeah. what it's called yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, a horror movie. Yeah, it was horrifying. Then there was the one with the Santa Claus, the horror movie that they changed. They made Santa be like, uh, I don't mm -hmm. think he was Krampus. He was like Santa Claus. He was horrifying. It was Crazy Claus. Yeah. Well, what about one... bipolar? Is that for, um, like, isn't that sort of like um, the werewolf, sort of? What? People who, have bi people who have the bipolar disorder. Oh, um. Would that be? No, I mean, that can cause. Was? No, not really. Uh, you, it can cause massive changes in your personality, especially when you're in a manic phase. So mm -hmm. people will either be really high excited or hyper, or the opposite. They'll be so irritable they're getting in fights with people, shouting at strangers. So it causes personality changes that can last. Um, to have be full mania, it has to last about a week. And it can last longer and then it will usually uh, the manic phase will go away and then some people will go into a depressive phase. So you see massive upheavals in someone's life, but they don't have the belief they're turning into an animal. They, they, a lot of them will feel they're completely normal. A lot of them will feel mm -hmm. they're actually better than normal because they have all this energy. They don't need to sleep as much. They might take on a bunch of different hobbies and inventions and yeah. Let me give you a little trivia on Night of the Living Dead. Okay. That was 1968, right? Mm -hmm. So if you remember in the movie, they talk about this satellite, this probe that came down from space that they thought may have brought a virus. Do you know what they based that on? What? The Kecksburg crash in 1965. <laughs> hmm. But think about it, because it's here. Kecksburg was yeah, right yeah, yeah. here, Mount Pleasant, PA, mm -hmm. and Night of the Living Dead was made in Pittsburgh. So yep. that's where they got the idea from that. It goes to the Kecksburg crash of the of the UFO, which you know we we've proved to be a uh a spy satellite that actually came down. But or was that you who decided it was this? I proved it with, with uh <laughs> Oh, and I well, the, the evidence really it stacks up that that's what it was. Um, yeah, that's a great yeah. movie. Another, another tidbit, uh, you know who George Romero used to work for? No, Mr. Rogers. Oh, <laughs> are you kidding wow. me? Oh, yeah, that, in the Pittsburgh area. Yeah, well, the night of the living dead scary. The first one, I think, was the worst. I mean, when it was, yeah. um, was her name Margaret Barbara? Barbara, B-A-R-B-R-A. Yeah, Barbara. Barbara. Well, I used to Barbara. live near that cemetery. Oh, that was weird. Yeah, yeah. a oh. friend of mine did too. She used to uh, take her dates there and make out with them in the creepy place. Yeah, that's what everybody yeah. did. Back <laughs> you know, when I, when I first moved here, Jen, I don't know how it happened. I made some friends and somebody, his doctor, invited me over for his Halloween party. And he said, there's going to be people there from Night of the Living Dead. So the couple in the basement, do you remember them with the girl? The little yes. girl? That yeah. couple was actually there. So, you know, I go to this Halloween party. I'm new in town from 
you know, uh, New York, New Jersey. And, uh, and I go and I meet them from the movie. It was so cool, you know. But I tell you what, though, for Halloween, I said, what am I going to watch? So I watched Night of Living Dead. And, you know, I was a little taken back that Ben, you know, at the one point she's hysterical, Barbara, and he slaps her, right? <laughs> but then later in the movie, he hits her with a closed fist and knocks her out cold. Well, that would and, never be done today, right? Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's like, whoa. But even for 1968, that's like, you know, I I, I, I stepped back and I said, wow, that's like offensive to me right now. You know, it's bad enough he slapped her hard. Then he punched her with a closed fist and knocked her out. So I don't know what I'll have to go think. back and look at that. I don't remember that scene. But going and, back to, uh, Brian, going back to um, – Bipolar, would that be the same? Is like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde? Isn't aren't it wasn't that a horror movie? Sort of. Oh yeah, it was yeah. Oh. Uh oh Ryan. Uh you're on mute. Sorry, I'm I mute when other people are talking just so uh. I, <laughs> I was gonna say no, I don't I don't think that was based on on bipolar. I mean, there are a number of disorders in in the psychiatric field that can cause massive changes or quick changes in personality so with with dr jekyll and mr hyde you see a physical transformation and a psychological one okay so that wouldn't quite go there but just uh bef before we move on from zombies there is a disorder that corresponds to that it's called cotard syndrome and this is the it's a delusional that. disorder it's really pretty fairly rare and it's the belief that you are dead and you are uh, essentially a walking corpse and these oh. people believe that they might be able to feel themselves rotting from the inside oh, and they believe horrifying. there's and and some of them believe they're stuck in hell or they're stuck in purgatory and they're and what's interesting is these people even though they believe they're dead they're at a massive risk of suicide which, oh, if you my. think about it, that doesn't make sense. Well, how could you want to kill yourself if you believe you're already dead? Well, these folks don't have what we call intact reality testing. So for us, something cannot be and not be at the same time. But if you have a thought disorder, like schizophrenia and some other ones, um, and some of the things that can give you Cotard syndrome, you you could believe firmly that you're dead and also believe you got to kill yourself. So people working with this population, you really have to be very careful and make sure they're safe. But How common is going. that? It's fair. It's fairly rare um, compared to it's, it's more common than clinical lycanthropy, but oh. it's fairly rare. And it's usually seen in people that have um, psychotic disorders. So schizophrenia, schizophreniform disorder, major depression with psychotic features. You can also see it in people who are suffering from um, neurodegenerative conditions um, like Parkinson's. You can even see it in advanced HIV or AIDS uh, because that affects your, your cognition and how you think. Wow. So, but some of the disorders in the book were fairly common, believe it or not. So um, the belief that um, uh, that somebody in your life was replaced, you see that in seven to 10% of patients with Alzheimer's. Oh, wow. That is I mean, an enormous number of people, if you think about it. What, what are the chances? I mean, I know that's something like the, mostly you think that, uh, well, Alzheimer patients have it. What if somebody really feels like that? And it's not, you come to determination. It's not a disorder that maybe there is something going there. Could that happen? Um, I mean, how do we know? <laughs> well, as I say, anything is possible, but is it probable? So what about vampires? There's so many people that actually think they're vampires. Sure, sure. There's people that believe they're Napoleon people. They believe they're, they're other things. No, they actually go and they, they actually drink blood oh yeah yeah yeah, no. yeah there's there's a, a large group of them in new orleans yeah and some of them will suffer from this condition called renfield syndrome so it's it's where you have a strong desire to drink human blood to satisfy a non-nutritional need and it's usually sexual or euphoric in nature and um to be a disorder though this is where it gets kind of interesting it has to cause clinically significant impairment or it has to cause clinically significant distress. So you have to either be bothered by it or it has to cause problems in your life. So you um, uh, can't fulfill your normal functions as a person or you know, one of your life functions is staying out of jail. So if you're stealing people's blood without their permission, you're probably gonna get some impairment in your life. 
Hmm. So, but, but so if, if that, what that tells you is there are some people who are vampires who might not, who might drink human blood, who might like to do it, but wouldn't necessarily be a disorder. But when they get which sick is interesting. <laughs> Sebastian over here, he mentions the remake of Night of the Living Dead with Tony Todd. So I think that was Dawn of the Dead. And that was um, filmed at the Monroeville Mall right over here. So, yeah. you know, you got Kecksburg. 10 miles south of me, the this, you know, Dawn of the Dead, Monroeville Mall, mm -hmm. 20 miles. So they uh, made Dawn of the Dead. Are you yeah. talking about Dawn of the Dead? Yeah, that's what I said in my yeah. New York language, Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> well, there was there was a remake with Tony Todd that um the one of the uh, special effects crew um directed. What was his name? He was actually in Dustal Dawn. No, the uh, the director was uh uh he played Sex Machine in Dustal from Dustal Dawn and he does oh, great okay. special effects. Yeah. Oh, that guy lives out here too. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, he lives in Ligonier. I when okay. I first moved here, I met him at the Ligonier Hotel. They had a little convention. You get around John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're in the genre, you start looking for it. Yeah, if you see him, get his autograph for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I could have easily, you know, so many times I've seen him. So <laughs> yeah, I wish we try I tried to audition for that back in the uh, 80s. I was in high school. Uh, my friend actually was in it, and he's scary because he turned into uh well, he was he got killed right after he died on the Jerry Duff, he died in the Hell out of the back of a pickup truck right after wow. he was a zombie, and that kind of freaked me out. <clears throat> well, I think you know, with zombies, uh, the, the movie with Brad Pitt, uh, what was the name of that one? Um, interview with the vampire, no, 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 with the zombies. Oh, oh, oh World War Z, called? yeah, World War Z, World War Z, Z they, yeah, the zombies, terribly the zombies. bad missed opportunity. It was such a good book, <laughs> yeah, but the zombies traditionally always moved slow, right. Yep. And, and and then you get World War Z, and these things are running thirty miles an hour, like yep. crazy men. That scared me, you know. That that, that yeah. was like, oh God, man. They cry, they they like ants. They crawled up the wall, right, sure. on top of each other like ants until they can get over the top in Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, but mm -hmm. making them run fast actually was creepy. What's yeah, that new? It, there's a big debate. Movie? The us the what's it called? It was based on a game. The the um, uh, the Last of Us is a, it was a us. mini series. Yeah, it was based yeah, on a that fungus. Was, that was so good. A fungus infected people and turned them into that zombies. That can happen, a bit though, of, Brian. With ants, absolutely. There's there are some uh, fungi that can take control of other animals. Yeah, yeah that can actually happen. That's kind of scary. just a shout out to Virginia. She she lived in Brooklyn just like I did. I lived in Brooklyn four years, so. Virginia says she's got a Brooklyn accent too. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Brooklyn. Do you know that one point one out of every six people in America had lived in Brooklyn because they came through Ellis Island? Well, that makes sense. Yeah. At one point yeah, they does. lived in Brooklyn years ago. Right, you were going to say, Brian, something else when we were talking about World War Z, a missed opportunity. You were about to oh, say. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's such a good book. I, I've read yeah. that book at least four times, and they just didn't they didn't keep it true to the book. Um, but, yeah, the fast zombies, there's a big war in the fans of whether they prefer slow or fast zombies. The first uh, showing of um, fast zombies in an American film, at least, was Return of the Living Dead, which is my all-time favorite zombie movie because it's got a great punk soundtrack. It's really bleak. At the end, that's the mm -hmm. one. Is that the one uh, in the graveyard and the girl was dancing on the? Yep, tomb? that's yeah. the one. I, I like that one. I like. Mm -hmm. I liked her, but <laughs> yep, it hold, it holds up. Linnea yeah. Quigley was her name. She she was an exotic dancer. Yeah, yeah. Who got um, she was asked to join because she knew Dan O'Bannon, who also wrote Alien. Really talented guy, yeah. and he used to frequent her strip club. And then she became a really famous scream queen, and she was in a ton of movies. So yeah, I think they should get more strippers to be in movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. As a, yeah, exactly. If you could <laughs> give advice to a um, film producer or a director um, about portraying how to portray the psychological disorders, is there anything you would say? What would it be? Uh, yeah, uh, read weird psychological disorder books and journals. <laughs> You'll get, um, I, I think th that real life is so much scarier than horror movies in a lot of ways. Yep. And 
I mean, just think of all the serial killers we know about. Just think about mm -hmm. all the terrible things that happen. Just think of how sick people can get. So I think there's a lot of um, really rich resources that a good filmmaker could do. And what I think they need to do is make it a bit more crazy. So sleep paralysis is a real thing. You mm -hmm. see scary things. And, and it's terrifying people that have it, but it won't kill you. So what do they do in sleep paralysis movies? Well, they make the hallucination real. They make it a demon. They make it the Mara. They make it something else that comes and kills you. I could think you can do that with a number of movies. Invasion of the Body Snatchers is... Yeah, I was just thinking syndrome. of that. Yeah, it, yeah. so you could... They they've made tons of movies with that. I think in inventive filmmaker could could go a lot of different ways. So let me it, ask you this though: uh, sure. you mentioned demons, right? So, um, and and I think only one time they used the demon defense in court for a murder, and it didn't stand up. But do do you believe in demonic infestation and possession? Do you think that there's a spirit world where there are angels and fallen angels? Do you, you know? Do you believe that? I am a I am a skeptic on that. I have not seen evidence for that. It has been used in court cases, um, yeah. but successfully not so much. So, so, so what yeah. happens now to somebody? It's real, let's say, and I believe it is real. I had something in my house, and I had witnesses and, and animal reactions to it and stuff like that. So, so now you get somebody in one of these cases, and you, of course, you go to the medical community. They want to give you drugs and all of that. And, you know, in the old days, you'd be incarcerated, let's say. Or, or killed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Yeah. But let's say they put you in an insane asylum and then you, you got the straitjacket on and, and you, you can't even get, you know, the demon is torturing you. God, you know, it, to me, it's like it, we sometimes don't recognize the paranormal. And I, I think the paranormal is real in, in my experiences. Or maybe I'm crazy. So. <laughs> you know. Oh, the paranormals, bro. It's just, uh, Brian, you like, we had all those shows on sleep paralysis and you still were not, you were like very skeptical about how they can be related to abductions. And I don't know. I still feel like they are, they're related to it. And I don't well, know. And just to be clear, I'm totally open. To, I, I, if, if you sort of put a gun to my head and ask me, I would say, yeah, I think there's other life in the universe than us. I'm not against extraterrestrials. Um, I just don't believe that they're abducting um, people out of their beds and, and doing all these things. For one, it doesn't make a lot of scientific sense because, you know, even with our technology, if we have a drop of blood, we can get an entire human genome off somebody. Right. Why would we need to go to Arkansas and, and every state in the union stealing hundreds of people? So people like... Um, Oh shoot! What is his name? He was a he was a historian at Temple. Oh, David, David Jacobs. David Jacobs. Yeah. So he he believed he would he would argue, um, and I was on a show with him before. He would argue that that they're doing it to create a a, a hybrid a hybrid human alien hybrid breeding program. But even then, again, I think uh, if if they had technology and they wanted to be discreet, they could probably be a little sneakier about it and get their needs met if they were trying to do that. So. Brian, did you sure. ever read any of Kenneth Ring's work where he compared uh, alien abduction um, uh, to near-death experience? Um, I'm I haven't read the books. I'm I'm familiar a bit with that, and yeah. I'm also familiar with the um, the old beliefs of fairies that would do abductions yeah. before we had the concept of of extraterrestrials. Yeah, and then yeah. they just changed their appearance. But the point I wanted to make was I, I read Kenneth Ring's book comparing alien abduction to the, to near death. You know, near death for the most part is a, a positive experience. The alien abduction is not. So mm. I, I mentioned I had something in my house. So I started doing a ton of research on uh, demonic infestation, possession, uh, exorcisms, all of that. And I started jotting down the markers. What happens? You know, the the banging, the the, the nails on the floor, the sh you know shaking, voices cre creaking. And I found about seventy percent of the markers in the demonic stuff also happens in the alien abduction, which is why mm -hmm. it's not alien. It's not alien. They don't show up. Ambassadors from space do not show up at uh, three in the morning to do that continuously. But it, you should take a look at that if you wanted to write something else. 
but uh, there is a huge. There's a lot of. I, I agree with you 100. Yeah. percent And Druffle uh, is her name. Yeah. She wrote a book on and what she was saying that people will do to ward off extraterrestrials. I mean, when I was reading, I was like, oh my god, this is the exact same stuff that people would use to ward off witches in the Middle Ages. Yeah. Using salt, keeping iron around. I'll, there was so much overlap. So yeah. I, I think there is a connection. You and I just might disagree on what the connection is. But, yeah, and, and you but, know. There was but, uh, yeah, but I, I'm all about people believing what they want to believe. And I, I, I will talk to anybody. People don't have to agree with me. I don't have to agree with them. And I, I, I'm humble enough to know I don't have all the answers. Yeah. <laughs> and another thing about the abduction, which is why they're not from space. There's a guy in Florida, Joe Jordan. And, um, you know, he, he comes across, he's an atheist. He comes across all these cases of women in the middle of the night when that gray alien shows up screaming, Jesus Christ, protect me. You know, they throw out the name and it leaves. And that made him very curious as to why would that happen? You know, mm -hmm. so he, I don't want to get off the topic. He did a lot of research and found hundreds of cases where that happened. So mm -hmm. it, it makes you think the abduction falls more into that demonic realm than it does the alien realm but go ahead keep going i, I, I need I, i'd need to learn a bit more but another yeah. explanation for another possible explanation for that is during sleep paralysis once you're actually able to talk or move the hallucination dream whatever you want to call it right. goes away just like that yeah it immediately disappears so i think personally from me being of a skeptical bent that that makes a lot of sense for why if you look at the folklore um, vampires and demons and witches will disappear in mist or right. just teleport away. So that fits nicely onto the phenomenology of some of the symptoms of sleep paralysis. The, did you come across where uh, they weren't sleeping? They were awake, fully awake the whole time, and mm -hmm. they got paralyzed, and they, they were awake the whole time. They were not sleeping, and had those same symptoms and things, and they saw shadow people, and something may even press into their body and stuff like that. Well, Did if you they were paralyzed, because um, you're, you're actually not asleep during sleep paralysis, only part of your brain is. You're, you're in what's called a mixed state where you have REM sleep going on while you're awake. But you were sleeping first. You were, you were asleep, and you were yeah, coming yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, but, yeah, but the paralysis that... is interesting. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'd have to know more about the cases. I don't want to be presumptuous and speak out of turn, but, yeah. but if you can actually enter sleep in microsecond, yeah, especially if you're sleep deprived, you can enter. Yeah. You can have what's called local sleep, where your part of your brain is asleep and the rest of it isn't. <laughs> so there, yeah, I'd need to know more about the cases, but yeah, it, but certainly sleep paralysis does not explain every report of alien abduction. I would say that for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. Has well, anybody but, ever died during a sleep paralysis? Um, not that I'm aware of, but if you look into a nightmare on Elm Street, uh, that was based on true stories of people in the Hmong community in 1970s, uh, Los Orange County who died suddenly in their sleep. Ooh. And I can, I can talk more about that, uh, but it'll take a bit of time. So, well, you have not very much time. To yeah, there about. you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw the five minute warning. I didn't want yeah. <laughs> to jibber jabbering, but, we'll but could actually interact with a really scary heart condition called Brugada syndrome, which is uh, very fatal <laughs> and very scary and can be triggered by stress or even sometimes just eating too heavy of a meal. If you have the genetic predisposition for this really scary condition. Yeah, that's scary. Oh, I, there's so many horror movies we could sit around. They're not really horror movies, I guess, per se. They could just be just like thrillers or dark, um, supernatural with a paranormal twist. There's so many like evil, the, the series evil. Then we have those little, those little, um, movies like, uh, Dr. Sleep, um, you know, like the shining. Yeah. They're all really scary of, movie. Yeah. They're scary. Mm -hmm. it's like, so what you else know. you touch on in your book? Any other topic that we didn't talk about that towards the end of the book? Uh yeah, we get into cannibalism. Yeah. Get into, oh yeah, that well, that's a part of horror movies. Get into necrophilia, yeah. which believe sleeping it or not, with dead people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a thing for some people. It's hard to believe, hard to understand. But the cannibalism mm -hmm. chapter was really interesting because what I did, I I got into the anthropology literature. 
and tried to figure out all the different motivations for why people become cannibals. Went into the Donner Party, went into the uh, Uruguayan soccer, uh, sorry, rugby players from Alive and some other yeah. things. Fascinating stuff. And we know a lot about it and it is baked into our DNA. Cannibalism. Really? It, it is all over the place. There have been so many cases, even in the past hundred years, that is shocking. It's in our DNA. <laughs> well, I'm I'm exaggerating a bit, but okay, humans well, I can from see time that, that movie, the, What was that movie called where they were sh uh, they wrecked and they had to yeah, eat alive. alive, alive, yeah. alive. Well, I mean, yeah, what, I are gonna what are you going to do? What are you going to do if there's no food and yeah. You know, let's say one person is dying or dies, you know, if you cut them up right then and eat them, I mean, you're going to live. <laughs> what was that movie, the Silence of the Lambs, when uh, Anthony Hopkins, what did he call Hannibal it? The uh, cannibal. Uh, yeah, when he was yeah, Hannibal the Cannibal. He was eating the brain. I had his liver with fava beans and a nice Chianti. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How could well, you wild. remember that? You remember that. That means yes. you're really. Them. <laughs> yeah, I have a good memory for useless knowledge. <laughs> but um, but what's interesting when I was re researching the cannibal, not everybody is equally at risk of getting eaten. So uh, if you're very young or very old, if and you're like old part of an outgroup, no, you're more likely to be eaten. It's people in the prime breeding age. And this is where it makes evolutionary sense. So if you imagine if you were a small group of humans and you were isolated and couldn't find food, you would eat the people who couldn't actually replenish the population first. So even mm. today, if you look at the people who are killed in these terrible in these terrible tragedies where people are starving for months and months, it's the very young and the very old that get killed first after all the animals are gone. Yeah, but wouldn't the, the old be tough? To eat. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. The youngest, like veal parmesan, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's like, yeah, really. Well, you know. And another thing, I will tell your listeners: don't ever engage in drawing a straws of a, or a cannibal lottery. You'd be surprising. You'd be surprised how um, it's not quite fair. <laughs> it seems like a good idea, but it's funny how the people they don't like get eaten first. It's really funny yeah. how that happens. Well, no, I can see if they don't like you, they're going to get you, get, we're going to take you first. Yep. You know, if they don't like you, yeah, that's, that's who I would pick. Not someone you like, Tom John. Yep. They, they, <laughs> they seem to lose the lotteries. No. I don't like anybody, so. <laughs> yeah, okay. You like a lot of people. I know. What are you talking about? All right, what do we got left? A minute or two? Anything else we, in the book? Uh, no, thanks for letting notes. me come on. And uh, yeah, if people are interested, my book's pretty, it's it's my first popular press book. It's my fourth book, uh, but this is the first one not meant just for psychologists. So it's only $19.95 on Amazon. And oh, wherever yeah. good I mean, books I, are sold. You can get it Audible. That's what I, I love to do that. Audio book? And the Audible book. Yeah, yeah. I got a really good uh, a reader for it too. Yep. And yeah. uh, you can find it in Barnes and Noble um, and wherever, any bookstore, hopefully. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you again for joining us, Brian. It was a pleasure as always. We'll yes, have to bring you too. back on. We'll talk about the, the more in-depth stuff. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. You have a great night. You too. See ya. All right. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Was yeah. Just one comment I got to make though, is that, you know, and I've seen this in so much of the research I do, whether it's UFOs, demonology, the, when you get to that medical field, they don't believe it. They don't believe it. And uh, it could what cause. Don't they, don't they believe? What don't they believe? Well, they don't believe that it's alien. They don't believe. Oh, uh, sleep paralysis. Well, I'm just saying, no, no, overall, anything you bring to the medical field, they're going to find a reason. It's sleep paralysis. It's this. It's hallucinations. Let me give you a prescription. You know, but they don't believe in, in the demonic. They don't really believe the alien abduction, you know. So it's an issue because if we're not open to that, you got a lot of people going, you, they can't bring it forward to the medical community because they're not going to believe them. Well, I like the fact that brian he he is open to it and like we had him a couple times talking about sleep paralysis and I, me i i don't know what sleep paralysis is i mean I, I yeah it is a disorder it could be something you know psychological but i i've experienced it 
my kids experienced it. Yeah, I, you I know, it. it's scary. It's horrifying. But my daughter, if you remember, had it happened wide awake. It wasn't sleep paralysis. There was a demonic entity in the house, and it it as soon as she drank the bottle of water and laid down, that thing pressed right into her body. Oh she horrifying. was surrounded by shadow people and could hear them speaking. You know, but the medical community would say, nope, she fell asleep and that was yeah. all a dream, you know. But so. I want to thank you, PRN Radio, um, Talk Radio, for sponsoring this hour. And I want to thank all you listeners out there uh, for welcoming me back. And hopefully you continue, Johnny and Boots and Virginia, to stay tuned, you know, every week. Next week we have a great guest, Brian, uh, excuse me, Tim Bear. He has an, um, a book on love letters to his deceased wife and somehow he can communicate with her. So I think that's going to be a great story. Stay tuned for into the night with Sean Kelly is next. Have a great rest of your Sunday. See ya. Thanks John. Okay.